This episode of the Reality Check podcast has been brought to you by my listeners, Patreons, and friends. If you'd like to find out more about how you can support the podcast and get some cool rewards, head over to patreon.com slash Zach P. Phillips. Empires Fall. Empires Fall by the Blood of Friends. Monarchs die by the blood of friends. Systems collapse by the blood of friends. Revolutions are pain. Revolutions are pain. A bullet in the back of the head for a select few, followed by starvation and desperation for millions more. Oppression will inevitably return. Oppression will inevitably return. The strong will rise. Self-appointed kings by another name. Hiding atrocity behind their new morals. Hiding greed behind their new distribution methods. Different faces, different words, same results. Public privation, private ostentation. That will tell us that the revolutionary heroes are to be honoured, but not replicated. That the time for violent action has passed. That we need to solidify our gains. That will tell us that we're in it together. That in order to rebuild, we'll have to all have to work. That our blood, sweat and tears are to be a mortar for the future. That our bodies are to be the stones. That will glorify our sacrifices. That will glorify our sacrifices. A mass indoctrination of self-flagellation for the state. Our pain will be our pleasure. Our bond to the revolutionaries of the past. Our holy pilgrimage. Our right. Our duty. Our purpose. We will police ourselves. We will police ourselves pulling down any and all who even so much as attempt to rise above the norm. Equality of outcome for all. Yet we will simultaneously accept our new, our new leader's lavishness, for they are men of action. They are keeping us safe. They are the bullfront of the revolution. They are the shield of security. They are the sword of justice. They protect us from the other. They convert the heathens. They spread the revolution. They show us how our sacrifices at home will lead to our success globally. They tell us that empires will fall, that monarchs will die, and that systems will collapse. We just need to make more bullets for the back of the heads, and more suns to put them there. We just need to work more. We just need to eat less. We just need to sacrifice. Revolutions are pain, and empires will fall. So that's a poem that I've just written and released called Empires Will Fall. Now, the, the, the sentiment that I'm looking at at the time of creating this podcast, it's the 1st of August and we're in the midst of a global pandemic. There's a lot of uh, social up, uprise, a lot of discontent with the norm. There's talk of so many, so many different sort of cultural revolutions, so many different pushes towards change. So many people harking back to a perceived time in the past when, you know, everything was quote unquote good. There's talk of revolution. Now, my view on 
revolution and on social change and on social justice is quite nuanced. So I want to sort of break down my my, my approach and my, my, my feel on the topics. First of all, I need to state my bias and my lack of knowledge. I'm a 32-year-old white male living in Australia. So that comes with its own set of privilege and its own set of problems and its own set of biases. I'm only able to see and judge the world based on my experiences. I've had a challenging past with, you know, that has led things to be desirable, but on the global context, you know, relative to, you know, the, the, the world average, I count myself lucky. And that's by sheer, the random lottery of birth. So with those biases and preconceptions acknowledged, what do I see? What's my take? My, my first is that if you look back at history, if you consider where we've come from and look at the, the changes and the tweaks and the things that have happened in the past, it's easy to see that revolutions often cause turmoil and bloodshed, um, particularly the violent revolutions. We're talking the French Revolution, the Communist Revolution, and, uh, you know, any, any sort of those, those, those sort of uprisings that we've seen take place. Anarchy leads to destruction. What I'm, what I'm trying to highlight in this poem is that the people that push for change, the people that die on the ground to promote it, to push it, to, to, to work it through, they're rarely the ones that grab the control after the fact. The, the system collapses. The, 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 the oppressive dictator, ruler, monarch system is overthrown. And then there's this state of chaos. And in that state of chaos, the powerful, the ruthless take charge. You, you saw that in Weimar Germany with uh, the rise of the Nazi party and the actions they took to get there. You saw that with the rise of communism and the action that the leaders took to instill their brand of communism upon the Soviet Union and then upon the Soviet bloc. You see that in the French Revolution, with, which enabled a dictator to rise to power, supposedly to replace a ruling class that was, you know, oppressing the minorities and the the masses. Now, I'm not saying there shouldn't be social change or that we shouldn't push for change. Far from it. I'm just uh, hesitant to push to tear everything down. Tearing everything down leads to chaos. Chaos leads to the powerful rising once more and instilling another form of control to solidify their gains, their gains. And that's concerning because, you know, we might have a desire for change, but change for change's sake or change without direction will lead to further atrocity and it may make it worse. And I suppose a side note, if, if violence is used to instill change and that change isn't successful, the crackdown and response from the current power structures 
could be quite devastatingly brutal. And we've seen that response in, in response to terrorism and other sort of things. So I'm just hesitant to get behind a push for an anarchist change. It's, it's not, it doesn't seem like a good idea. Now, I sort of want to get into the idea of like, well, obviously I'm a white male and my, my view of the world and how sort of good or bad it is, is tainted, is based on my, my standings. And, and, and if I was in a more quote unquote oppressed group, maybe I would consider that tearing it down is the only way or that there is nothing else that can be done or that the, the, the new would be better than what the current is. Obviously, like I said, I can't step outside my view of reality. I can't step outside where I currently am. I can't change or tweak or alter my innate biases. But... I fear that there's a polarity of opinion here. There's more nuance to be taken than just either accepting the current situation or tear it all down and start again. I feel like there's a significant ground for dialogue, for, for talking, for peaceful protests, for pushing and tweaking and altering and, you know, guiding society towards a more fair and equal and prosperous future for all of us, as opposed to tearing it all down. It's not like you have to just accept or destroy. There are a, there is a nuanced approach we can take. How does this, what is, what is this nuanced approach to look like? It looks like social protests. It looks like peaceful protests. It looks like pushing for social change, real social change, not just posting something on social media, but actively engaging the community, actively engaging with leadership, you know, influencing, financing, supporting, or becoming politically influential. It's about stirring up a social consciousness that has a direction, that has a purpose, that's trying to push for something. A lot of the movements that I see happening around the world and locally, there's a lot of outrage. There's a lot of desire or this 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 venting, this displeasure. But, and I've said this before, but I just feel that there's no, there's no specific goal. There's no specific leadership. And that means that People can get on board and, you know, yell and scream and want to make change, but there's no, there's no target for that change. There's no like legislative changes. There's no funding changes. There's no governmental changes. There's no foreign policy changes or environmental changes that are specifically being pointed at other than this sucks. It needs to end. And because it doesn't have a specific direction nor a specific leaders to guide the approach, it becomes this mob mentality, this tearing down of anyone that, that, that dares to speak up, that dares to question, that dares to raise a voice of concern or consideration or anything like that. It just becomes this absolute bog of angry people 
Once again, I'm not saying people aren't justified in their anger. The issues of racism and, you know, income disparity from the poor to the rich is a massive issue. The I read something saying that Jeff Bezos is coming close to being a trillionaire. And when you when you put that into perspective of just how rich that is compared to people that are struggling to survive, compared to the people in his company that are struggling to survive, the frontline workers, those sort of things, it, it becomes obnoxious. So I can feel why people are angry. But the answer isn't to tear it down. The answer is to push for change. You know, like actually taxing the rich appropriately. And I'm not talking about the millionaires, right? They're, they're ungodly rich, right? But there's a distinct difference between a millionaire and a billionaire, or a billionaire and a trillionaire. It's by degrees. The I feel like we've we've been sort of hoodwinked by capitalism to believe that, okay, well, they made it, so we can too. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe that everyone can improve their life, and you can take actions to, you know, implement a side hustle or make your work a bit more um, stomachable, you know, palatable, a bit, a bit easier to function. I think, I think that you, you know, self-action and taking action to improve yourself and to improve your lot in the world is doable. However, I think the hoodwink comes when we look at trillionaires and billionaires and go, oh, I can do that too. I'm sure people can because they do, but for the average person, it's just not going to happen. The system can't support it. Like the financial system of the world can't support it. There's only a select few that will get there. But because it is technically quote unquote possible, there's this sort of pushback to to not consider what that actually means, to not consider the the, the actions that we could take to more fairly distribute wealth. There's a there's an idea saying that you know a how much bigger is a million to a billion? If you lived for a million seconds, a million seconds from now is something like three three and a half days. A billion seconds from now is thirty one years. A trillion seconds from now is thirty thousand years. So it gives you an idea of just how rich the rich people are. Now I'm not suggesting we should go on a mob spree and lynch them, which is which is what's being suggested. Perhaps we should work on reforming the tax structure. Perhaps we should work on redistribution of wealth in the sense of tax the uber-rich at a high percentage and put that money into education and put that money into environmental sustainability, put that money into healthcare. Because... You know, to spend that kind of money would take lifetimes. It is unseen that one person needs that much. However, it is okay that we strive and we don't cap income because that pushes people to attempt to produce, to make products and services that the world uses. So there's a nuance here. The nuance is, is rather than destroying it all and tearing it all down, we instill better policies. We redistribute the wealth in a way, in a fair way, so everyone's taxed at, you know, the rich are taxed at a way that will actually be beneficial, that's actually a little bit fairer to represent the amount of wealth that they have. 
and that money is then put into social programs that can help people not go hungry. This sort of hits a personal note to me because when I was growing up, I lived off government handouts and off charity. Without those sort of support structures, I would have went hungry. Even with it, I did go a bit hungry. So there is definitely a push to or a need for those sort of social reforms. It doesn't mean we have to tear it down, though. I I get concerned with, you know, being a student of history that revolutions lead to a revolution, but the word itself is, you know, to come full circle. And, you know, like like the, the, the revolutionary actions, things are taken, people take action, and systems are overthrown, and then we are often put back to where we were. Maybe there's little changes, maybe certain things have, have altered, and maybe there's a little bit of alleviation, but is the cost worth it? Is the, is the oppression and the, 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 what happens after the revolution worth the cost of, is the changes worth the cost of the overthrow plus uh, maintaining that new state? there are unscrupulous people in every position. And and just because people say that they want or that they're pushing for a certain change doesn't make them morally right or morally justified. And just because we are discontent with our current state doesn't give us the right to tear things down. It's it it it's a little bit scary seeing the the diametric push on social media where there seems to be, you know, two groups of people just screaming at each other over every single issue and no one's able to talk about it. No one's able to come to the party and just say, hey, this is, let's have a real rational discourse. Let's talk about it. Let's bring evidence to the table. Instead, we get this bite-sized bit piece, talking heads, yelling at each other and just rousing their own supporters. We're in an echo chamber. You know, by, by us, our, our, social, our, our brains put us there. We have this tendency to consume things that we agree with because it makes us feel good to agree with things. But unfortunately, we don't, we don't easily have our opinions changed. That leads us to fall deeper and deeper into one way of thinking. I, for one, don't like that. And I'm trying actively to... to sort of look at all of the sides of the debate, every debate, because I know that just because I feel, just because I feel like something's right, it doesn't mean it's right. It just means that based on my upbringing and my position, that's what I've learnt to be right right now. My opinions can change. And, and then part of the reason why I'm sort of sharing this poem and this podcast is to highlight that we all need to just take a step back, detach, and look at all sides of an argument before we start yelling and screaming at people. Because if we don't, a mob will form, the system will be teared down, and then we're left to rebuild. And that rebuilding will not be easy. That rebuilding will be painful. That rebuilding will cost lives. <sighs> And I, for one, feel like 
it would be a shame to destroy all of the positives with the negatives. And from a more pragmatic perspective, it seems impossible to have a society that is truly fair, where there is no oppression, where there is no social issues, where there is no need for, you know, there, there's no such thing as a utopia. And I understand that everyone's, one person's utopia is another person's dystopia. But what I'm more saying here is that if we, if we instead look at our society and ourselves as a work in process, as a work in progress, as a process, as something that we are sort of steering and guiding, that allows us to make the tweaks and the changes slowly over time without catastrophic system failure. You know, a car analogy, rather than destroying the whole car and then attempting to build a new car from the pieces of the first car, wouldn't it be better to just make tweaks and twists and changes and modifications on the car to improve its efficiency, to, to improve its mileage, to improve its functionality? Maybe I'm misguided. Maybe I am from a privileged perspective and I can't see the truth of it. Perhaps, please, like, you know, connect with me, let me know. Um, but I just know that having a look at history and just knowing human nature that if the system falls, powerful people will rise again and those powerful people will oppress people. It may not be the current, it might not be the current group that's oppressed. It might be, it might not be the current approach to oppression. It might be, but I just know that you tear things down, there will be a power grab and it will lead to far more disruption and uh, issue than we're currently facing. So, Empires Fall. Empires fall by the blood of friends. Monarchs die by the blood of friends. Systems collapse by the blood of friends. Revolutions are pain. A bullet in the back of the head for a select few, followed by starvation and desperation for millions more. Oppression will inevitably return. The strong will rise. Self-appointed kings by another name. Hiding atrocity behind their new morals. Hiding greed behind their new distribution methods. Different faces, different worlds, same results. Public privation. Private ostentation. They will tell us that the revolutionary heroes are to be honoured, but not replicated. That the time for violent action has passed that we need to solidify our gains. They will tell us that we're in it together, that in order to rebuild, we all have to work, that our blood, sweat, and tears are the mortar of the future, that our bodies are to be stones. They will glorify our sacrifices, a mass indoctrination of self-flagellation for the state. Our pain will be our pleasure, a bond to the revolutionaries of the past, our holy pilgrimage, our right, our duty, our purpose. We will police ourselves, pulling down any and all who even so much as attempt to rise above the norm. Equality of outcome for all. Yet we'll simultaneously accept our new leader's lavishness, for they are men of action. They are keeping us safe. They are the bullfront of the revolution, the shield of security, the sword of justice. They protect us from the other. They convert the heathens. They spread the revolution. They show us how our sacrifices at home will lead to our success globally. They tell us that empires will fall, 
that monarchs will die and systems will collapse. We just need to take to make more bullets for the backs of the heads and more suns to put them there. We just need to work more. We just need to eat less. We just need to sacrifice. Revolutions are pain, and empires will fall. So if you want to read a copy of that poem, you can click in the show notes. Um, it's called Empires Fall. And I just wanted to give you a little quick update on the stuff that I've um, been working on. I've released a chapter of How to Get Your Shit Together called Full Body Sweep. This is basically a way to reduce anxiety in the moment. Check it out. Um, and I've also released a bonus Skillshare course called uh, Create a Mental Health uh, Crisis Plan. Both of those pieces of content were released for my Patreon supporters three months ago as an exclusive offer. Basically what I'm doing here is I'm releasing chapters of my book, How to Get Shit Together, and some bonus video courses early. So for the supporters that support me on Patreon, you'll get early access. Um, so it's a great way of supporting the podcast and getting something back. So if you want, you can check those pieces out for free. I'll also put a link down to Patreon so you can support what I'm doing here. And yeah, if you liked this podcast, please share it with someone who would appreciate it and like it and review it because, you know, it basically, it lets me know that you're enjoying the podcast and helps to raise its profile a little bit to spread the message. So yeah, stay safe. Mm-hmm.